0: you I still need to talk to, but we've got uh, room in the tech area upstairs, Uh, Maricel's up there again today, still learning, Uh, she's actually doing some adjustments on the camera right now, so we appreciate uh, you doing that, but there's more room, Uh, Jordan's doing training, Chad's doing training, so if anybody, uh, in fact, uh, we're going to be transitioning to a new projection software, so everybody's going to be learning it, it's a good time to get on board if you want to be a part of that. Um, we're always looking for more vocalists, more instrumentalists, if you want to be impo- involved in any aspect of worship, uh, if you want to pray, you want to read scripture, anything like that as well, um, there's always opportunities to be able to do that. All right, so uh, let's take a look at our memory verse, Galatians five twenty-two and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. All right, so we are at love, joy, peace. Last week we talked about joy. Nehemiah 10 said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I hope that you spent some time this week thinking about that. I gave you a couple of things to read through. Uh, first book of John, uh, some chapters in Acts. I hope you read through some of those and began to think about some of those to see how uh, we can have joy. Not necessarily happiness, but joy in the midst of difficulties. This week we're turning to peace, and I don't know about you, but I think it's none too soon. Uh, it's, uh, it's a crazy world out there. We have, we have elections, we have COVID looming again, uh, we have all kinds of things going on, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but um, I think we're in the middle of and still transitioning in as a, as a people, as a country, as a world, uh, as Christians, through very difficult times, uh, and maybe you've been feeling anxious, you've been feeling this lack of peace, maybe, uh, I don't know, I don't know exactly what you've been feeling, but, but we all have uh, things that have been uh, bothering us, and I feel like pre- uh, peace may be something that we have precious little of. So we're going to talk today about peace. Uh, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we study your word, we study through your scripture, speak to us uh, and teach us how to find peace in you and how to be peacemakers, in Jesus' name, amen. So before we get to what uh, peacemaking is all about, let's talk about what peace is and what peace is not. Uh, First, a couple of words about what peace is not. Peace is not avoiding a problem. Uh, Anybody, you're a problem avoider, be honest. Okay, I'm sure uh, there's a couple. Okay, I see that you didn't want to admit it, but they're out there. Uh, Online, I'm sure there's, uh, there's plenty, there's plenty here. You would... If you had your uh, preference in a situation where there was a, a problem, you would either remove yourself from it or maybe pretend it wasn't happening or just hope it would go away. Um, that's one way to handle problems, right? <laughs> Hoping uh, if you don't do anything, that'll go away. Anybody ever, you had a car problem, check engine light came on and you took that, that stance. I'm just going to drive and just hope it goes away. Anybody? Yeah, we've all, (laughs) I hope it gets better on its own. Guess what? That doesn't usually happen. Um, A lot of people would rather avoid an issue rather than address it head on. But unresolved conflict is like having termites in your house, except it's termites in your relationship. Uh, It eats away at the foundation. It eats away at the structure. It eats away in the invisible places that we can't see, uh, and it will uh, eventually bring down the house. Peacemaking does not mean uh, ignoring from, uh, or running from a problem. Now, peacemaking also is not appeasing another person for the sake of peace. Have you ever done that? Uh, uh, maybe somebody uh, that you've had an issue with, they were more of a dominant personality, maybe they were more of a even maybe possibly controlling personality, and it was just easier to, to give in, uh, to allow the other person to, to manipulate the peace, if you will, in the situation. Um, God doesn't expect you to be a doormat. And so when we talk about making peace, that's not lay down and get walked on. That's not peace. That's not what peace is. God doesn't expect you to do that. You, uh, when you always give in for another person, that's called codependency. <laughs> and the eventual uh, problems that come with that uh, are many, but one of them is resentment, and it builds up, and it builds up, and you may have experienced this, until it explodes, anybody that's happened to you, yeah. And, and once it, it it's ugly when it explodes. So a couple of things: peace is not right. Uh, it's not avoiding a problem. Uh, it's not appeasing another person for the sake of peace. So let's look at a couple of definitions. Um, I got several up here. They're going to come up. Uh, put that on there for you as well. Peace is a state of security. Or order within a community as provided by custom uh, or law. That's, you know, when you, when you drive through the city, you used to, the police cars had to protect and serve. A lot of places had that written on the side, right? Um, when we think about peace, we even called, um, what did we, we used to call police peacekeeper? No, what was it? Peace officers. Peace officers. That's it, right? Um, that's not the kind of peace we're talking about today. <laughs> okay, so, so that's one definition. Another definition, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. You have, uh, and some of us deal with this, we have thoughts going on in our head, and we have things, and they, uh, they keep us from resting at night, and we don't have peace, uh, and they keep us from sleeping. Another kind of peace is harmony in personal relationships, and then one that you might think of uh, between countries or, or peoples. Uh, is a pact or agreement to end hostilities, a peace treaty, if you will, between those who have been at war, uh, between possibly countries or states, however that, that might work out. Now, sometimes for me, uh, when I want to define something, it's useful for me to look at the antonym, which is the, the opposite word. You know, what, so what peace is not helps me to understand what peace is. So here's a few antonyms, if you will, for peace. Peace. Disagreement, disagreement, hate, discord, irritation, and conflict. Does that sound like our country right now? It does, doesn't it? It does. Disagreement, hate, discord, irritation, and conflict. I don't think anybody would right now say the United States is a peaceful. They're a peaceful people. They're a peaceful place. They're at peace with each other. I don't think we would say that. Uh, I hope that people would say Christians are at peace with each other. But that's not always true either, is it? I hope people would look at Elmwood Park Community Church and say, the people at that church, they're peaceful. They're peace-loving. They're peacemakers. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because as all of the, the pressure, this is like a pressure cooker right now in our, in, our, in our world, within our country especially, and in our state, and in the cities we live in, with the election pressing down uh, and, and differences of opinion pressing down and covid looming. There's a lot of things to be disagreeable about, aren't they? A myriad of things. We have more things to disagree about now, I think, than we've, than we've ever had before. So what does the Bible say about peace? And this is going to be our launching pad, if you will, today. It's the two uh, scriptures that are going to come up here on the screen out of Matthew 5 and James 3.18. Uh, 3, These are like our, our focus passages today. They're going to give us um, the direction that we're going. Matthew 5.9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And in James 3.18 says uh, that there's going to be a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who make peace. So when we talk about that fruit of the Spirit, the, the outgrowth, the outcome, uh, the output, if you will, of a life devoted to, to following Christ, the, the life of a Christ follower should naturally be filled with the Spirit, and out of that Spirit produce the love, the joy, the peace, patience. We're, we've talked through each of those, and we'll be talking through the rest, but, but when we talk about peace specifically, that, that aspect of peace in the life of the believers should be making itself known as being a peacemaker. Anybody here, you would, you would say, I'm a peacemaker. Any middle children? <laughs> Lydia's a middle child. She's raising her hand. Um, in fact, it's funny. If you've ever done like birth order books where you've read about firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, you've got to have at least three to have a middle. Um, typically, the middle child has uh, elements or characteristics of peacemaking. Any other middle children in here besides Lydia? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're a you're middle? Are you a peacemaker? Mm. So I say typically, not always. She's like, "Mm." hmm. But but I know Lydia was in her family, the peacemaker. Um, And then it's true a lot of times if there's a family of three or four or five or six kids, one or two of the kids in the middle will be the peacemakers. So when we talk about being a peacemaker as, as a Christian, we need to unpack that. What does God... Uh, want us to do, and how does that live out in our lives? So we're going to talk about um, five things uh, that we need to learn. And the first one we need to learn is we need to learn to have peace conferences. We don't avoid the problem, and we don't lay down and just take it. We have a peace conference. Matthew five twenty three and 24, if you'll turn there. I'm going to grab my Bible and turn to that. Matthew five twenty three and 24. says this, if you have... Uh, or are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift when you hear that word reconcile and we're going to talk later in the message uh, where uh, you'll hear the term ministry of reconciliation when you hear those terms those are all synonymous peacemaker, reconciliation, ministry of reconciliation. Those are all synonymous ideas with being a peacemaker. So when does it say to do it? We just read that. What did it say? Immediately. Immediately. Uh, In the midst of, in fact, Jesus is talking about somebody going before God in some kind of act of worship to lay some kind of gift before God. We don't know what kind of gift that was. We don't know if it was monetary or service or, or what. We don't know what it was. But he says, before you offer your gifts to God, before you offer yourself to God, go and make peace. Leave that gift there at the altar and immediately, and you know what that means? That means right now. So you don't have to listen to the rest of the message. It'll be online. If the Lord says to you right now in the midst of this room, go make peace with somebody, get up and go make peace. If he says it to you online, drop everything, you can watch the recording later, pick up your phone, go drive to see a friend, go see a family member, whatever it is, say, hey, we need to make peace. Because this is, the, this is an immediate step. Uh, if you're the offender or the offended, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> go make peace. The ball is always in your court. If you're a believer, you're always to take the initiative in seeking Peace. You may have uh, problems, issues with somebody who's not a believer. Take the initiative to, uh, to make peace with them. The longer you wait to resolve a problem, guess what happens? The bigger it gets, the worse it gets. We have a problem brewing at home, and, and, and I have watched it get worse and worse and worse, and I hope it doesn't get really bad before we take care of it. But um, for a couple of days, there was like about 50% power in some of our rooms, Uh, And then after a couple more days, all the power went out in those rooms completely. And now if you turn the light switches or the breakers, nothing happens. The power doesn't come on in those rooms anymore. Um, I hope it doesn't get worse. We're going to call an electrician. We're going to set up a time. We're going to have somebody come. We're going to have them fix it. Um, But it's just like the car. It's like the check engine light. It's like any kind of problem you have in life. If you wait, it will get worse. Peacemakers always take initiative. Think of that person right now. Uh, visualize them in your mind, uh, and, and, and get up from where you're seated. Get up from where you're seated, get up from where you're at at home, grab the phone, uh, send an email, whatever it is you need to do to make contact with that person, and begin to make peace by setting up a peace conference. The next thing you need to do is learn to, uh, to I, I wrote, empathize with people's feelings. Lydia, again, she's got the, the gift of empathy. She feels for people. You may be one of those people, you you, you see somebody struggling with a problem or they have a a loss or something and you just, you feel what they're feeling. Um, Lydia's like that. Somebody has something where where, uh, they see there's something bad happening and they're crying, Lydia will cry with them. In fact, scripture says that we're supposed to do that. So whether you're empathetic or not, it's something we should be working on. Cry with those who cry, mourn with those who mourn, laugh with those who laugh. Scripture says those are things we should be about. Uh, for some of us, it's natural. For some of us, it's not. 1 Peter 3.8 uh, talks directly about this in our lives. And he says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Anybody in here, you've got a tender heart? I know there's some tender hearts in here. Yeah. Any, anybody in here, you're like, I need a tender heart. <laughs> anybody online is like, I need my heart tenderized. It, it, it can be hard sometimes. What we're, what we're talking about here is that when you have this, this peace conference with a person, when you sit down, when you talk with somebody, whether it's a husband, wife, parent, teenager, coworker, neighbor, whatever it is, one of the first things you do to be, and, and Lydia reminds me of this all the time, uh, in fact, and I, I'm also... Learning to be a coach, which not like a sports coach, but like a a coach for church planters or a coach for pastors or coach for people in ministry. And one of the things they tell you, the very first thing you have to do is learn to listen. And so I have little post-it notes in my coaching book and it says stop talking and listen. So I remind myself, I open it up and it says listen more. I have all these little post-it notes written around. To be empathetic, you have to listen to somebody. You have to have stop talking. You have to stop thinking about yourself. Remember, we're not the center. You're not the center. I'm not the center. When you're trying to make peace with somebody else, think about them. Listen to them. Allow them to talk. We have to learn to listen because listening shows that we care. Again, the Bible says, "Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice." And in Philippians two four, it says, "Look, each of you." Uh, it says, "Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others." Interesting, isn't it? Paul knows. He knows we're selfish. (laughs) He reminds us, don't just look to your own interest. Don't just look to the things that affect you. Look to the interests of others. Now, it's interesting. I don't often, I I, I do like sometimes look at the Hebrew and the Greek and that kind of stuff. I don't often talk about that um, because I think, I, I, I don't want ever anybody to get the idea, well, I have to know Hebrew and Greek to understand the Bible because you don't. You can study the Bible, you can read the Bible on your own, and God will speak to you through it. But this is an interesting one, that idea of the word to look to, where he says, let each of you not only uh, look to your own interests, but also to those of others. It comes from the word scopos, which is where we get scope, like a scope, like a microscope or a spotting scope you put on a, on a, on a, on a rifle, telescope, microscope, stethoscope, and it literally means to focus on or to pay attention to. So when Paul says, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to those of the others, it's saying focus. This is the idea. When you read that, you should, you should be thinking focus. Where's my focus? When I'm having this, this peace conference and I'm talking to somebody, am I thinking about lunch or dinner? Uh, am I thinking about how you hurt me? Am I thinking about my issues? Or am I actually just listening? And, and and I'm going to be one to say, I'm going to raise my hand on this one and say, sometimes I struggle with that. And I have a hard time with that. And Lydia has to remind me when we're talking and she'll say, y- you're not listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> Anybody, you've ever heard that? Anybody ever said that to you? You know, yeah. You're not listening. That's why I have those post-it notes, listen more. <laughs> Stop talking. We have to learn to focus, to look to, the the needs and interests of another person if we only focus on ourselves (laughs) we're going to be by ourselves right because other people are gonna be like well they they don't care about me they won't listen to me they don't empathize with me they don't they don't even want to know me or understand me once you sit down with this person whoever it is uh and you you decide not to sweep it under the, under the blanket or under the rug, uh, and you decide not to appease each other, the first thing you've got to do is listen. Next thing, learn how to attack the problem, not the person. Anybody you're good at attacking the person? <laughs> Does that sound familiar to what's going on in our culture right now? Almost to a T, to a, to a letter, uh, any kind of conversation, debate, uh, issue between two people on two sides of an issue, what are they doing? Attacking one another. They very, I very rarely hear anybody try to work an issue out anymore in the public eye where they're not attacking the other person. So when we talk about being peacemakers... We have to, learn to, we have to learn to attack problems and not people. Uh, for some of us, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, it's easy to attack people. Some of us, it's just it's come natural. I don't know any of you necessarily that do or don't have that, but you know whether you do or not. We attack the problem by facing the truth in the relationship of what's going on. We actually talk about the problem, we listen to the other person talk about the problem, and we address the problem. We don't attack the person. Proverbs 12, 20 says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Look, there's a connection again to last week. Love, joy, peace, right? Those who have uh, plan for peace have joy. You want to know how to have all these these elements, these characteristics of the, the big picture, fruit of the Spirit in your life? Um, they're, they're interconnected. Joy is contingent on peace. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this as we continue through the message. But what's going on right now that you're pretending is not happening? Uh, what, what, are we, what are you ignoring? What issue is, is brewing uh, in your relationships? Scripture says the truth will set you free. So when we approach those issues and we call them by name and we sit down with another person who we have an issue with or a problem with and we both agree to attack the problem together, the truth of that problem will set us free to attack the problem. Guess what happens when you attack the person? (laughs) Defenses go up, right? Uh, Ears close, (laughs) right? You get your... Uh, you you get tense in and, and you, you realize man my hands hurt because I'm making fists anybody that's happened to you 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 start talking about an issue and you just you just get tense and you get angry we do these these discussions this peacemaking the the peace conferences in a spirit of love this is not a place for sarcasm and labeling and nagging uh, and, and, and judging, and I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, and I'm not, not saying anybody is or isn't this way, but you know if you are. Sit down in that conversation, listen, and then have a discussion and come up with a plan that attacks the problem instead of the person. Then we need to learn how to Cooperate. We look for areas in which we can cooperate together. We find common ground. Um, where can I be flexible? Where can I learn to cooperate? This is important. We teach this um, from from the first time we send little ones to to preschool, right? That's why you sent a bunch of toddlers down in the middle of a room with toys, <laughs> so they can learn how to cooperate. They want to play and they want to have fun, but what always happens? Fight over the toys. And sometimes those fights escalate into one hitting another, um, but those are, are valuable moments in our lives, and, and all of us probably experience that as toddlers, even though we don't remember. Some of how we learned to cooperate, we learned in those events, in those, in those opportunities when we had to learn how to share, when we had to learn how to think about somebody else. We had to, to begin to learn that we're not the center. Some of us never outgrew that. We're still the center, but we had to learn that we are not the center, we had to learn how to cooperate. Romans 12, 18 says, If it's possible, listen, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So, where does the, where's the onus of that? Where's the responsibility in that? It's on you. As far, well, where did that, that verse go? If possible, so far as it depends upon you, so far as it depends on you, be peaceable with all. There it is again. If possible as far as it depends on you, be peaceable. You'll see when you begin to read the Gospels and when you read the Old Testament uh, and you read the epistles and the things that Paul wrote and Peter wrote and John wrote, you'll see this idea of peace coming up over and over and over again. One of the things that um, Solomon was praised for, no, Solomon or David? Who asked for wisdom? My mind just went blank. Solomon. Solomon, I was right. Thank you, guys. You can come up next week and teach. <laughs> My mind just went blank for a minute. But one of the things he was praised for was asking for wisdom. You don't know what to do in a, in a peacemaking relationship? Ask for wisdom. Just straight out. Pray and ask the Father for wisdom. What do I do? It's, it's stupid to be inflexible. It, it's foolish To think that you have all the solutions or that even you're seeing it correctly, sit down and talk about it and discuss it and ask God for wisdom. Did you know more marriages die from inflexibility than from anything else? More marriages die from inflexibility. I'm going to dig in on this and this is the way it's going to be and I'm just going to be a stick in the mud and I will not move. That kills relationships. That kills marriages and that kills every kind of relationship. We think there are a lot of things we could come up with that kill marriages. Inflexibility is right up there at number one. James 3.18 says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I love it. It's a harvest. 3.18, the next one, right? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In relationship uh, you're going to uh, sow what you reap, right? You, you see Jesus teach about that over and over again. Paul talks about it. Uh, whatever you're planting in a relationship is what you're going to get back. So what are you planting? Are you planting peace? Are you making peace? Are you listening? Uh, are you striving to cooperate, learning to value one another? Are you setting aside your own um, ways and ideas and desires to listen to and sacrifice for the needs of the other? These are the things that are going to build our relationships. But if we plant seeds of inflexibility, guess what you're going to get back? (laughs) Inflexible. Inflexible spouse. Do you want that? Anybody? No. No. If we plant seeds of dominance and insistence on having things our way, uh, it's going to wreak havoc. But if we strive to be peacemakers in our relationship, we strive uh, to listen and to love, uh, to plant peace guess what? We will reap. We read it a minute ago. Joy. Your marriage relationship will be a joy. Your father-daughter relationship will be a joy. Your neighbor-to-neighbor relationships can be a joy when we focus on the right things. The last thing we need to do is learn to seek reconciliation instead of resolution. Now, there's a big difference here. Reconciliation means to reestablish the relationship. Uh, if you've ever been in a relationship that was difficult, you you may have even experienced a broken. Anybody ever had like a relationship where they would say I'm estranged from that person. Anybody ever had? I meet people sometimes and they say I'm estranged from my father. I'm I'm estranged from my son. Uh, I'm estranged from whoever. Estranged from my wife. <laughs> Some people you know we're we're gonna have a trial separation because we're estranged. We're that's, we've become. You know what that comes from? We've become strangers. We've ceased to know each other, and now we're strangers. But we, uh, we, are, we are all shaped different, every single one of us, and that's the, that's the reason when we, when we rub up against each other, sometimes we, <laughs> we're scratchy because we're different. We're shaped differently. We're shaped, we're shaped by our gifts, our heart, our passion, our abilities, uh, our personality, and our experiences. These are the things that make us who we are. None of us have any of those things that are exactly the same. We're like snowflakes in that manner. And, that, and I know that's kind of a thing, you could say that in a negative way about people now, but let's use it in a positive way. We're all unique. We're created in the image of God, but we have experiences and gifts and abilities and things that make us who we are. We have things in our lives that should be um, joyful to one another. But, but if we're not careful, those things that make us unique can also make us scratchy. You've heard the term opposites attract, right? And some of you may have married your opposite. I don't know. But there's another, there's another less well-known term. Opposites attract, uh, and, and, and once you're married, opposites attack. You ever heard that? It can happen. The things that you loved about the person now that you're together with them are the things that you hate. If we're not careful, that can happen in a relationship. We don't talk. When we don't share, when we don't love, when we don't listen. We can be um, in a relationship and disagree on things without being disagreeable. But some of us will move to the point of becoming disagreeable. We can be um, unified in our relationship without having uniformity. The husband doesn't have to be like the wife, and the wife doesn't have to be like the husband. They can be who they are created in Christ together, and they can be in unity without being uniform. Lydia is still Lydia. I'm still me. Now, as uh, as we have, uh, we're closing in on 30 years. Uh, at the end of December, have we become more alike? Yeah, we go. It's happening more and more. We'll go to a restaurant. We'll sit down, and we'll order exactly the same thing, the same drink. Uh, the same meal, the same sides, the same dessert. It's, it's, it's a little alarming sometimes. It's like, what happened? <laughs> we used to like order totally opposite things. She grew up in the South. I grew up in New Mexico. We ate totally different kinds of foods and seasonings growing up. At my house, uh, we would open the seasoning cabinet and it was just like shelf after shelf of stuff. And that's how it is in our house today. In fact, we have a whole cabinet that's devoted just to Chinese and Japanese like liquids. You know, there's all kinds of sauces and It's just crazy. And in another cabinet, that's all the spices from all around the world, right? In Lydia's house growing up, there was salt and pepper. And that was it. Grammy and Pop are probably listening today, and if they're not, they'll be listening later. They know it's true. Salt and pepper. Whenever we go and we cook there, we always have to go to the store and buy garlic powder. We buy all these spices, and we put them in their cabinet, and then we come back like a year later, and I open the cabinet, and guess what's there? All the stuff that I bought. Totally untouched. Right? It's funny. Um, So... I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Uh, We came from such polar opposite, like, eating uh, habits to now we order the same thing. Um, But there are still things about us that are different. Lydia's not like me in a lot of ways, and I'm not like her in a lot of ways. Um, We still have some rough edges, 30 years, and we still rub each other wrong sometimes, if you will. But God meant for those differences to be there. If God wanted two people to be exactly the same, then one of those people's unnecessary. He wants every person to be who they are. He wants every person to be created in his image, but molded by all of the parts and pieces and experience of their lives. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, Now, again, that's synonymous with the idea of, peacemaking. He wants us to be peacemakers. He wants us to be about the job or the role or the ministry of reconciliation. When we attempt to be a peacemaker, we're doing the work of God. Isn't that great? You want to do the work of God today? You aren't sure what to do how to be, I don't know how to, what do I do today to do the work of God? Make peace. Be a peacemaker. Who do you need to make peace with? A neighbor, a husband, a wife, a friend, daughter, son, uh, a neighbor, whoever it is, make peace. That is the ministry of God. Do not beat up your children. <laughs> I got a guy over here; they're like they're wrestling. Make peace. That is how we um, we can do the work of God. Now, Jesus was fishing. Oh, well, I'm sorry, he wasn't fishing. He was preaching, he was teaching, he was talking. And at the end of the day, he and his disciples went to the shore. They got into a boat because they wanted to go over to the other side to kind of take a break, get a rest. Uh, they got on the boat, uh, went out from shore. I'm sure the, the weather looked great, but they got out in the middle. And you guys know what happened. The wind came up, uh, the waves uh, were crashing into the boat. And I was reading this again this morning, and I love it said, we all know Jesus was taking a nap. He was resting. He was at peace in the boat. But it, but I read it again, and it said Jesus was napping on the cushion. It didn't say a cushion. I don't know. It just hit me. It's like Jesus had the cushion. There was only one cushion in the boat. Jesus had it. He was sleeping on it. He was taking a nap. He was at peace. And the other 12 were like, we're going to
1: die out here.
0: <laughs> one of them was probably screaming like a little girl. I don't know which one. And they went over and they woke Jesus up and they asked him, don't you care about us? Jesus woke from his nap on the cushion and he sat up and he said, where's your faith? See, there's, a, there's a, an element here that I don't want you to miss, that faith and peacemaking are interconnected. And sometimes we're afraid to make peace and sometimes we don't make peace because we don't have faith. Maybe our faith's misplaced. We have to have our faith in the right place. It has to be on God and what he can do in the heart of another person. But he said, "Where's your faith?" And then it says he stood up and he commanded. He said, he said to the storm, "Do you guys remember the words he said to the storm?" Peace. Peace. Be still. He commanded it. And guess what happened? It was a storm. It was, uh, it was bad. It didn't say it was a rainstorm, but it could have been. It just said it was a windstorm. So we've got wind, we've got waves. If you've ever been in a windstorm on a lake, you don't need thunder and lightning and rain for it to be bad. You just need wind and it's, you're in trouble. And he stood up without fear, already in a state of peace because he'd been napping and he said, peace, be still. Some of us need that today. Because before, and and here's where we come back, and everything we talk about, and everything that we teach about, everything we read about, you always got to come back to the gospel. You always got to come back to where where does a relationship with Christ factor into this? And what I want you to understand today is that we've stepped through five steps. They're great steps. They're great ideas. They're great things to think about. But you can't make peace unless you have peace with God. To have true peace with another person, real lasting peace, and maybe that also shines some light on the why, of the way our world is why is it so messed up because people don't have a relationship with jesus christ they're not filled with the holy spirit they're not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit because they don't know who god is or they've already relegated him to a fairy tale a myth uh an unimportant thing yeah jesus he's a good prophet he's up there with all the other buddhas and and mohammeds and everybody yeah they're they're, yeah they're great To have real, true, lasting peace in the midst of the storm, we have to be filled with Jesus Christ. We have to know that we know that we have examined the words of this book and they've changed us. That's why I talk about reading Scripture and pouring Scripture in and, and studying it and devouring it, because it changes you. Have you come to the place in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to save you? Those 12, they needed saving. They thought they were going to drown. They thought they were going to die. Now, they were talking about a physical salvation. Um, we're talking about a spiritual one. But the, the, the parallels are the same. We're going to die one day. And without Christ, we die and we go to a place called hell. So we need saving. We should be standing up in the boat, Lord Jesus Christ, save me. And he says, don't you have, don't you have any faith? Who are you putting your trust in? put your trust, as Jesus says, put your trust in me. Isaiah 9, 6. This is interesting. Go back to the Old Testament for a minute. It says, this isn't going to be on the, on the screen, but it's out of Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6. It says, for us, this is a prophecy. This is a, this is a foretelling of who Jesus is going to be and what he's going to be like. Listen to what it says. For to us, a child is born to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Prince of peace. If you need peace, who do you think you go to? You go to the Prince of Peace. <laughs> He's the Lord over peace, he is peace. That's a, that's a, again, we talked last week or the week before about God literally is love. He's not like love. He's not full of love. He is love. Well, Jesus isn't like peace. He's not got peace in his pocket. He's the Prince of Peace. He's full of peace. He's so peaceful that he was asleep on the cushion, in the boat, in the storm, because he didn't have anything to worry about. He didn't have any anxieties. He didn't have any worries. Now, you could say, well, he is you know, one of the three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit of the Trinity, and he was there at the creation of the world. He, When, when God said and, and spoke creation into existence, uh, he did it through the word, which is Christ. And so you could say, yeah, he didn't worry because he already knew it was going to happen. But you got to remember that, that in coming into the form, uh, a human form, Jesus laid down a lot of that deity. He laid down a lot of that Uh, He he wasn't in everywhere and in every place at one time anymore. He was just in one place at one time. He limited himself so that he could be with us. And so maybe he did or didn't know what was going to happen in that storm. (laughs) But he knew that he was safe because he was in the hand of the Father. And he knew that he could stand up and command the storm to stop. And so he was at peace. And I don't know about you, but if you're not at peace with God, you're not going to be at peace with one another, and that's the first step. For unto us is born, a, uh, unto us his son is given. A child is born, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Guess what happens uh, if you're not full of peace when you get squeezed? Anybody ever grabbed a tube of toothpaste and you squeezed it real hard? Just wanted to see what happened. Guess what happens? Toothpaste just squeezes out all over the place. When you're not filled with the peace of God, you're not filled with the Spirit of God, and you get squeezed, guess what comes out? All that garbage. And all you got to do is turn on the TV to see people getting squeezed. And you can see what comes out, and it's ugly. It's ugly. And for some of us, it would be ugly too if we got squeezed because maybe we're not allowing the peace of God to reign within us, but we're allowing our ego to reign or we're allowing our anger to reign or our dissatisfaction to reign. We're we're allowing other things in. We need peace and we can have peace and we can say, you know what? The world is gonna be the world and the things that are gonna happen in the world are gonna happen in the world, but I serve a God who has a kingdom in heaven, and this place is not my world. Remind yourself of that. So no matter what happens here, no matter how bad it is here, no matter how, uh, you know, we may be looking at the end of a culture. Cultures rise and fall. Rome rose and fell. Um, I mean, we, we you can go through history and see countries, nations, and peoples rise and fall. That may be happening right now. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. But the fact is it doesn't matter what happens right now because my kingdom is in heaven. My citizenship is with God. Remember Paul said we're ambassadors of another place. This is not our place. This is not our home. Remind yourself of that. Just, just remind yourself of that over and over and over because Jesus can take broken pieces in your life and he can make them whole. Jesus can fill you with peace that you've never had. All we have to do is Ask. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Save me from my sin. I have sinned against you. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want to learn what it means to follow you. I want to learn what it, ha- what it means to have a new citizenship, a new kingdom, a new place to call home. I want to learn how to take a nap in a boat on the cushion in a storm and not worry about what's going to happen. Because you know what? A lot of us are in the boat right now. All of us are in the American boat. Unless you're online and you're not in the United States. And it's rocking and it's rolling. And Jesus Christ says to your heart, peace, be still. And to your storm, he says, peace, be still. If we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead. Scripture says you will be saved. Saved from the storm. Saved from the result of my sin. Saved from all of the brokenness in this world. Colossians 3.15 says this, and, and it was on the screen earlier. I'll put it back. We need, to, we need to do this. We need to grab onto this. We need, to, we need to make this a focus of our life. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, which uh, indicates to me there's something else probably there. What, what's going on in your heart today? What's ruling your heart? Is it anxiety? Remember, Paul says, Take your anxiety to me with thanksgiving and prayer, and I'll replace it with peace that passes all understanding. Let the peace of God, the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts. I'm going to put this up for our our last thought. And then I've got something I want to do. We're going to go a couple minutes longer today. Hey, it's all right. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Just let that resonate with you this week. Think about that. Ponder that. Examine that. Ask the Lord. Seek the Lord this week and say, Lord, how can I be a peacemaker? Where do you need me to be a peacemaker? Where can I be involved in the job, in the role, in the ministry of reconciliation? In my house? Where I work? In my neighborhood? In my community? Wherever. But don't forget who's on the throne. And don't forget whose throne we bow to. And don't forget whose kingdom we're connected to. And don't forget where your true citizenship really lies. If we could get a hold of those things, the anxiety of the things going on just outside these walls would just melt away. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. God already knows. He's known since the creation of the world. <laughs> he's like Jesus, taking a nap on that cushion, the cushion and the boat. He's not stressed. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He has all the answers, and he has all the peace. And he's called you not only to be filled with that peace, but to have so much of it that it overflows into peacemaking and reconciliation. There's a song we didn't sing today, and I thought, I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to start it. You can sing with me. We're just going to do one verse. Um, then we're going to close. Dick's going to come up in a moment. He's going to pray. Uh, We've got a benediction. After that, we're going to close. The band's going to do a song. So, you know, you can, you can hang out a little longer if you want to. But um, this is a, a song that starts with the words, when peace like a river. So why don't you sing it with me if you know it?
1: When peace, like a river, attendeth my ways, when sorrows like sweet billows roll, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say,
0: You can truly say that today. That's a great thing. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Dick Willita?